in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us turn to God in prayer. <clears throat> Our dear, gracious, merciful, heavenly Father, we draw nigh unto thee in the name of thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In this beginning of another year, and we pray that as thou hast been with us thus far, that thou would continue to to be with us, to guide our footsteps, preserve us and keep us from harm and danger and, and evil of body and soul. May, <clears throat> may thy word and spirit enlighten our hearts and minds even as we venture into this new year. For there is much darkness indeed, even as it was when Jesus was born. It is even more so today throughout the world, but only the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ shines forth and makes known the, the things of God unto us. And we thank thee, dear Father, and we pray that it would continue to shine even unto our hearts and warm our cold and, and dry hearts with, with the knowledge of, of what he has done for us was born long ago, but yet even this day we commemorate and we remember <clears throat> because it is for the sake of our salvation that he came into this world so that we might have a hope beyond this life. We ask thee to bless this morning's gathering around thy holy and eternal word. Grant unto us open and receptive ears and hearts to receive thy word. And open that word unto us through thy servant to make known the blessed truth of that word. For Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So may that be made known unto our hearts. We remember those who are the shut-ins and, and those who are sick and, and unable to gather with us. May thy comforting and strengthening hand be with them. And may thy word reach their hearts also. Hear us, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Next song, number 
we gather this morning hour of grace, this first Sunday in the new year, in the name of God our Heavenly Father and His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to give greetings from Christians that sent them, particularly in the in the uh, uh, South Dakota congregation of Lake Norton, and we visited in many homes there. Also, there were also Watertown Christians that uh, sent their regards and greetings to you. <clears throat> and it's just so blessed to be in the in the festivities of the Christians on on uh, in, during this Christmas season where we have gathered here many in spite of cold wintry weather and many were gathered uh, there also and there was fellowship in the homes and and um, fellowship in the uh, in the basement of the church and it was just blessed to we have so many Christian friends that we can visit and and share and fellowship with uh, throughout this land and and there's just a beautiful oneness of spirit uh, among the Christians and we feel so blessed to be among them I want to especially give greetings from brother Herb Jarvie and his wife who was in South Dakota also over the Christmas uh, time there and um, there were some that were not able to make it to the church uh, a few elders, uh, Bernice uh, Seppinen, a widow woman there. <clears throat> we visited in her apartment, <clears throat> a very, very dear Christian woman. She is a mother-in-law to Dee Mahonan. And um, also we visited with uh, Elwood and Martha, for he was ill somewhat during the Christmas services and did not make it to the services. We visited... Uh, our elder sister, Toiny, who was in our midst not too long ago, who was well and did attend the services there. We visited in the home of um, um, uh, Leroy and, and Glenda, who most of us know well and many of you are related. Uh, they were in attendance at the service, but we also visit, visited them in their home. And um, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a blessed time. And then there were the younger some of the younger Christians that also invited us in, uh, namely Jim and Karina, and um, uh, Andrew and Ruth uh, also, and they all send loving greetings. <clears throat> we will turn to the Holy Scriptures this morning. Uh, I would like to uh, turn to uh, the faith chapter, namely Hebrews uh, chapter 11, and consider... Uh, this morning, a few words from that chapter. Hebrews 11, beginning at the first verse, uh, reading through the, perhaps about the, uh, perhaps through the 16th verse. And we read the words of God in Jesus' name this holy morning. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. 
Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he <clears throat> sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she promised, uh, judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham... Uh, amen. I'm reading too far. At the uh, beginning of this year, I thought that this might be an appropriate chapter because the beginning of all that is acceptable unto God uh, can only happen by faith. Therefore, the... Um, Faith is that whereby we receive the promises of God and we, um, we receive and also they are applied to us by faith. <clears throat> we, we read here that the, the uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and faith is that kind of a matter that lays hold of that which we certainly cannot see. Because the things that are eternal, the Bible tells us, are invisible. And our God is an invisible God. However, we believe the um, things of God because of the word. Because we have been taught them by the word. 
Has it not been already at a very young age that you have uh, begun to believe and understand uh, the Word of God and you in your heart uh, have known that the uh, true teachings uh, of God's Word are true, that they are absolute and they are absolute truths. Already at a very young age, uh, you have been convinced of this, which is a grace of faith, believing that which we cannot see. For when we discuss with uh, some in this world, um, they they profess that they do not believe anything that they cannot see. And and uh, some will say that, well, concerning the hereafter, that um, has anybody returned from there? Has anybody returned and and convinced us that um, there is a hereafter and such unbelief and darkness prevails over the uh, hearts and minds of of many unbelievers? It seems that uh, there is a larger portion of the world, even those that are not church going or do not profess a a um, a biblical faith that. Um, they seem to know that certainly there is a hereafter. And many know that, that uh, there is a judgment to come, that there is a judgment in the hereafter, after this life is over. And many cling to a uh, hope that all will go well with them and, and that uh, in that judgment um, everything will be all right. And though they may not be in living faith, they, they may not possess the true faith that saves. And why do they continue to uh, live life, live through life, knowing that there is a judgment and that they do not have a living faith and they do not seek one? Well, the devil has blinded the heart and blinded the eyes of men and they uh, believe that all is well with them for whatever reason they feel in their own heart that they are a good person and and uh, how many rest on this uh, weak foundation that well I don't hurt my neighbor I, I, I try to do unto others as as I would have others do unto me and well that is a good a good teaching and a good belief and a good um, uh, way to live life. It certainly is not a foundation for salvation. But by faith, uh, um, for faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So then how is it that some have faith and some don't? Here it's, the word tells us is that the evidence of things not seen. Well, if something uh, has evidence, then it is, as it were, proof. And we, by faith, lay hold of the promises of God and the, um, the word of God uh, firmly by this faith that uh, is the evidence of things not seen. So we are, as we would say, convinced in our heart and firmly believe 
that the word of God is true and all that it says. So then, where then does faith come from? I remember when uh, our grandmother was living with us. Um, she was um, bedridden in her last years. She began a, having a crippling disease already at maybe 16 years of age. I remember her standing at the sink in the old farmhouse. This is my father's mother. And she would be standing at the sink and her crutches would be there, standing there also for when it was time to move, she had to use the crutches. That was many, many years ago. I was a small boy. And then uh, in process of time, she came to live with us and she lived out her last months and years with, with us in, in my folks' home. And I, I remember my mother saying that uh, Grammy had a strong faith. And I think uh, myself in those years probably was probably much like many of you children here that you don't understand what faith means. Cause I, I didn't know what my mother was talking about. The only thing that confused me was that that how could grandma be a Christian? She didn't come to church with us. That's a child's understanding. I didn't understand the matters of faith. I didn't understand that faith in the heart uh, is saving, saving faith. And the outward circumstances uh, uh, are quite irrelevant. And she certainly did have a strong faith uh, in her trials and in her afflictions. I don't know what Grammy's inward afflictions were. We, her outward afflictions was obvious, crippling disease and ill health. I didn't know her because I was too young to communicate with her and, and search out and, and share the matters of the heart. But she uh, passed away with a beautiful testimony and she could hear the angels calling already before she closed her eyes in death. So this uh, saving faith and the evidence of things not seen, we would that we might possess this faith. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Where did the elders receive this faith? Where did they receive the faith whereby they lived a good life, a godly life, so that they obtain a good report. We read a little bit about them in the latter portion of this chapter, which we did not read. And what shall I more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. This is all by faith. And by faith, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. 
They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. It certainly doesn't sound like a peaceful life. And it wasn't for men of old, men of faith. And neither is it a path of roses for the men of faith today, for the children of God. For there are trials and afflictions on the way. Some of you may have this, uh, uh, probably Carl Kula's latest book, for he has been publishing books for many years now, and the title of it is There Are Many Gifts. And if you read in there, perhaps one of the first uh, messages in there, and they're short, it, was, uh, it contains a prophecy that was spoken in the 60s in Norway by an elderly woman, 90 years old. And it was written down as it was dictated to a man. And it was, it was put aside for, for about 25 years when it was rediscovered. And then it was published in one of the perhaps Norwegian papers and maybe in one of the Finnish, like Christian monthlies also. And in there, among many predictions, and it's very, very well for all of us to read it, is that um, there will be a time of great peace. And I've analyzed that and I think that we have lived for those conditions that are, were, are in Norway are similar to the conditions throughout the, the world, the Christian world. And I think we have come through the time of great peace. And she speaks then in there of great tribulation before Jesus comes. And she names a few things like... Um, uh, There'll be a great falling away from the church, a great falling away from faith. And we hear even in, in the land of Finland, and it might be similar in Norway, though 95% of the people in Finland claim to be Christian and Lutheran, they say 2% attends church. So we have certainly been through a time of great peace. Uh, most of us here have experienced, uh, as we would say, peace, prosperity, and happiness in the natural way. We haven't received persecutions. We are not starving. We are not cold. And we have, we have been through a time of, of great peace. And it appears that we are on the verge of a great change. We are at a threshold. And we would that we could be faithful come whatever comes in our lifetime. This lady voiced that she was glad that she won't see those troublesome days because she was up in years. But it may be for us we may see some troublesome days. We may see persecutions. We may see a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings and of bonds and imprisonment and so forth as, as the Christians of old have experienced. The first three centuries of the New Testament, there was much uh, outward persecution. And then about the fourth century, it began to uh, subside. Though there has been persecution, and there is even to this day, as we hear in some of the foreign countries, uh, those that profess Christianity, those that are trying to... Um, evangelize in their nations 
that others would come to the knowledge of, of Jesus Christ and his saving grace. And some are even in recent, uh, perhaps even recent months and weeks, uh, are still losing their life for the name of Christ. Where then did these elders then receive this kind of a faith? We read of great uh, works that they did by faith. And we believe, as it, it tells us here, we, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Perhaps God has so ordained uh, his creation, <clears throat> the physical creation, the heavens, to confound man more than to come to the knowledge of, of God. For man in his dark, dark, darkened condition and his corrupt reasoning cannot believe that God spoke into existence the creation. But the word tells us here, we through faith understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And as scientists, as they look into the uh, outer space and they have some very, very good equipment, huge equipment that magnifies and, 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 and is able to, you're able to see uh, far into the, into the heavens. And it appears to them that the heavens and the stars and that are ever expanding and ever expanding and more and more uh, appearing. And what they uh, conclude from that is that if we go backwards in time, it got smaller and smaller, and then they conclude that it all started with, with uh, an explosion called the Big Bang. It appears that God has uh, allowed them to be deluded because they do not, by faith, lay hold of his word. Therefore, they have to conclude what appears to be obvious. But we understand, and through faith we understand, that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We can ask a child of Christian parents that has attended the Sunday school and, and maybe even younger, that who made the world? And they will quickly say, God. Who made us? God. And we sing in the Sunday school, God made me. God made me. In the Bible book it says that God made me. And these children firmly believe this. And by God's grace we are believing this also. That God spoke and the world were created. God said, let there be light. And there was light. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And then the word uh, begins to tell us concerning Abel and how he offered unto God a more excellent sac sacrifice than Cain. Some have said that, that um, uh, Abel's sacrifice was more acceptable because of, of um, it was animal sacrifice where Cain offered... Um, the fruits of the land. And this may be true and, and certainly may have some, some good um, uh, foreshadow of something to come. 
But the word tells us here, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Faith made the difference in what they offered. Abel offered in true and living faith. It is such that uh, faith separates unbeliever from Christian. Faith separates good people from good people, so to speak. Faith separates the wicked from the just. Without faith, Luther plainly tells, without faith, all that the unbelievers do, though their deeds are good, and though they do many good deeds, they are unacceptable to God without faith. We read here that uh, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is impossible to please God. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Well, many will say that, well, I, I believe in God. Um, that is good, and that is, that is right, that man would honor God and confess the name of God. And yet, we are able to uh, say that and, and even believe that, and yet not possess a true and living faith. We can have a uh, faith uh, that is um, shallow or of the mind or carnal and uh, many, are, I believe, in that condition that they profess that God has certainly created all things and, and they, they look at the beauty of the creation, the beauty of the, of the world and they acknowledge that God did create this. And yet, um, when it comes to the Redeemer of their soul, they are without knowledge and without need and therefore do not have a acceptable faith and therefore all their uh, deeds are unacceptable to God. I, I spoke with an uh, elderly woman in our travels down in Massachusetts uh, uh, this fall and uh, she was uh, confessing and professing that that God has many ways to him, to himself. And I tried to quote the scriptures, what the scripture says, that there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she says, well, I, I just can't believe that someone like um, Mother Teresa or Nelson Mandela that have great forgiveness and, and, and a great heart of of, of mercy uh, this uh, Mandela um, uh, our missionary Dennis Hillman spoke of him if any of you some of you may remember and this Mandela uh, was um, a prominent statesman in South Africa and he was uh, with a organization that was working for the people but it was working against the government and he ended up in prison and he spent 26 years in prison. And Brother Hillman 
said that that was one of uh, the uh, destinations he wanted to reach when he took a trip uh, to South Africa was out on an island was the prison where this Mandela was was incarcerated and uh, he wanted to see that very cell. Well, as it was about 1990, Mandela was released from prison and and became, by a turn of events, became uh, the president then of South Africa. And uh, with a great heart of mercy and forgiveness uh, towards his opposers, he then ruled the country for about perhaps six years. And this is of whom that lady was speaking, of this great man. And uh, she felt that uh, if he didn't um, understand or, or know Jesus Christ, that his heart was so good that, that, um, that certainly God must regard him. I do not pass any judgment on this man or on this woman that she spoke. Uh, this, this woman, um, uh, Mother Teresa, who was very selfless in, in helping the, the poor, the poorest of the poor in India. And um, I, I don't know what their heart is in their relationship with, the, with Jesus Christ. But there are uh, certainly uh, great uh, works being done and I would say that every soul on the face of the earth does some good, does some good deed. If it's as, if it's as, as small as giving a glass of water to someone that's in need. And uh, does God r regard these works? They certainly are good, but they are not the basis of salvation. And I am not here to say that God is unjust. I am not here to judge people's works. But the Word of God tells us that without faith, faith, it is impossible to please God. So important is faith. And faith, the faith that is acceptable unto God is that which believes the impossible because it believes in God's Word, believes the Word of God. And how often does it seem for the Christian that our own salvation seems impossible? How often has it seemed, perhaps in the past, before we have learned faith? And that salvation just doesn't seem right because we so much look at our own hearts and what we are. And how, how else can it be when we are living and walking in our own skin? And we see the weakness and the frailty of ourselves and the human weakness and error. And then to believe that we are acceptable unto God. To believe that uh, God is pleased with us. It's very difficult often. And we wrangle. The Christian struggles with this. The accuser of men's soul works within our heart and conscience and mind and, and, and endeavoring to overthrow the word of God and faith. And we often are almost succumbed and, and, and believe the, uh, the accusations of the enemy of our soul. And yet, on the other hand, what do we gain by faith? What do we gain by faith? We gain everything by true and living faith. We gain strength, we gain power to war against this enemy with the word of God. And we lay hold of the word of God and know that it's true and therefore we can, 
we can war against the ac- accuser of our soul and even the accusations that come from our own self, our own heart. And we gain uh, salvation. We gain eternal life by faith. And we would say it's irrespective of all that we are. All the weaknesses that we are and have been and will be by living faith, they are rendered uh, they are rendered nothing. They are no threat against the soul, whatever, by living faith. The great uh, 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 debate between Luther and the Catholic Church was just that issue. For the Catholic Church believed that we are justified by faith and works. And Luther uh, taught that we are justified by faith alone. One of his profound statements is faith is justification. We are justified by faith. We take for an example the thief on the cross. A man who committed crimes all his life, committed sin all his life. And he committed those kind of crimes that were worthy of death by the law of the land. And there he is hanging in his last moments of life on the face of this earth For he was condemned to die, and there he did die. And in his last moments of life, he turned to Jesus in faith. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus promised, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Jesus did not regard his life of sin and crime. He did not uh, demand any tears of repentance. He did not demand of this man to make restitution. He did not demand of this man to elaborate his sins. He did not demand anything from him. Only shed upon him pure grace and a great promise, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Therefore, you also, you can use the word of God, the word of faith, in your warfare and in your struggle. That God justifies me by faith alone. In the knowledge that Jesus Christ has paid for my sins. He has satisfied the righteousness of God and he has dealt with my sins on the cross of Calvary. And by grace through faith, I am a possessor of righteousness and holiness. And I am his child. Such we gain by by faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe. house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. A huge undertaking, Noah, who began to build this huge ship uh, on dry land because he had evidence that there was going to be a flood. He knew in his heart because God spoke it and he believed it that there was going to be a great flood. 
Certainly Noah knew of the conditions of the world at that time. And being a man enlightened of God, he knew that God was not pleased with the, with the uh, conditions of the world. For the world had turned very, very ungodly. And probably the thing that God um, hates the most and will not tolerate because there was violence in the land. When men begin to hurt other men, when men begin to hurt other men for entertainment, it appears that that was the last stroke and God saw the wickedness of, of man and it repented God that he had made man on the face of the earth. There was no pleasure coming to God from his creation, from human beings. And there were intelligent men. And there were great men on the face of the earth in those days. There were giants in the land. And there was no, nothing pleasing to God when he beheld these people of unbelief. They were faithless. And they were living a life of sin and wickedness and idolatry and every other sin that, that man can commit. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And eight souls were saved in that ark. For it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing whither he went. Abraham is known and called the father of faith. He believed God and God, we remember, he proved Abraham's faith. When, uh, when uh, Abraham and his wife, they were barren, and the promise was that uh, through his son, salvation should come. What an impossible matter. He didn't have a son. But he believed God, and he was faithful. And in time, uh, God uh, tempted Abraham and told him, Take thine only son and go up to Mount Moriah, and there sacrifice your son now. What an impossible matter. What an impossible situation. When the Messiah, the Savior that is promised was to come through his son and through his lineage. And Abraham was obedient. He obeyed God. And the Bible tells us that he obeyed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And then Sarah, who then this child was born through and it says, therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, namely Isaac. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Such Abraham had to believe and such he did. And therefore he is called the father of faith. And we see then from this also that uh, that many, many were born, multitudes were born, as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. And yet those children of Isaac are yet being born in this world. And we believe them to be the Jewish people. And because of the dispersion 
there are probably sons of um, of Isaac, sons of Abraham, sons of Isaac in probably every nation in the world. Innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We often think when we think of the faithful patriarchs of old, we often think that they were men that they were probably beholding the angels in the heavens and and they be, beheld God face to face and and they walked with God and but no no they they walked by faith even as we must walk by faith for it says these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them they believed these matters they believed the promises they believed that the reward was ahead even as noah who uh the, this in this chapter tells us um further on or rather moses that um, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. How did this Moses know that to leave the household of Pharaoh? How did he know that I must go with my people and forsake the treasures of Egypt? By a God-given faith. By faith he understood this. Yes, he was nursed up by his own mother as we remember the story. And his mother may well have taught him the things of God. But I don't know how old uh, Moses was when she had to turn him over to Pharaoh's daughter and now he is your son. And how much was impressed upon his little heart as a baby and as a child concerning the things of God. But we know that God was with him. The mother could not give him faith. But this faith came from God. And he knew in his heart that he must leave uh, Pharaoh's uh, palace and that high lifestyle. And he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the uh, pleasures of sin for a season. And then the word tells us here also, uh, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He also looked forward. He embraced the promises of God and he looked forward to the reward that was distant, that was far ahead. Therefore, it wasn't as though they walked and they were led by an angel's hand everywhere they went. No, they walked by faith. And their life was often a life of hardship and they were often poor. Many uh, saints of all were very, very poor. And they didn't press for riches as we do today. And they, they had to walk by faith uh, against much persecution, as we read, against uh, sufferings, against uh, trials and cruel mockings and scourgings and imprisonments. And they continued on in faith. We would that God would give us 
that same faith. And I do not imply that we do not have that faith. You know, at the end of this chapter, it tells us this way, and it is most blessed, that it might assure us, for the Word tells us, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. God is mindful of you. No, we don't feel like we have the faith of the patriarchs. We don't have the faith of Moses and the faith of Abraham uh, we, we feel in our hearts. We don't have the wisdom and knowledge of the Apostle Paul. But that wisdom and knowledge did not save Paul. He also was justified by faith. He also was believing upon the Word of God and trusting in God's promises and trusting that God sent a Redeemer into this world to cleanse him from sin and present him spotless before God in heaven one day. And even as we walk here before God, uh, God sees us as his righteous and holy children. I would like to ask you this day, if you were called upon now, this day, to stand before God in the judgment and your life is snuffed out, do you believe that you would stand before God in a good condition? Do you believe that you would be saved? These are not bad thoughts. These are good examinations. But if you can feel confident in your heart that I believe I am a child of God, I believe by grace, through faith, that I am a child of God, well then, you have to be holy. You are holy then. You are not going with your sin to heaven. You are not going the way you feel perhaps that you should be judged. If you feel in your heart that you are saved, then you have a strong faith. You have a good faith and a right faith because you must be presented unto God spotless, pure, holy, and sinless. And if you have a hope of salvation in your heart this day and a profession of a lively hope, then it is such that then you are righteous. You are sinless and pure. And all of that we receive through Jesus Christ by faith. There is the difference between the unbeliever and the Christian that we possess a faith. You know, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died in the stead of every man. And the Word of God tells us that we are free from the law by the death of Jesus Christ. By His death, every man is freed from the law. And if we do not, by faith, understand and, and, and partake of this, then it is of no avail. We are still under the law and we have not died with Christ. But if we believe and know that Jesus has died for every man, and for when a man dies, then he is free from the law, the Bible tells us. So then Jesus, then his death becomes our death, for he represents us. His death uh, became, caused him to be free of the law, and therefore we also then are free from the law. If we are free then from the law of righteousness, then there is no condemnation. As Romans tells us, there is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And then you would stand, if you should stand in the judgment this day, then you can only trust 
that you will hear such blessed words, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. No finger of accusation pointing against you. No sins brought up from the past. No guilty conscience. But only enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Come ye blessed of my Father and inherit the kingdom that is prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We thank God for faith. We thank God for living in true faith. We thank God for a saving faith. Are you this day able in peace? Are you able to believe? Are you able to believe with a living and true faith that these promises belong to you? That Jesus' death and, and life begins, belongs to you? That you have been washed in His blood and made pure and clean? And then we continue continue in this um, in this walk of faith. We can we have to continue in this world, and we might fear that oh I might stumble, I might sin, and there is cause for fear, there is cause for concern, there is cause for watchfulness and vigilance, there is reason to search the Word of God, but yet in this kingdom of grace. We are covered in the righteous robe of Jesus Christ, acceptable unto our Heavenly Father. So we have gained by faith. Such a great matter have we received by the grace of faith. And then we can say that it excludes works in that sense, that they cannot justify us. And then those works that flow from faith are acceptable to God. God is pleased with His children. He is pleased with those that believe His word and walk uh, in love by faith. And we are drawing near the end of our, our uh, word here. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Here is the walk of the child of faith. When conversion takes place, then we begin to feel this world as strange. We begin to feel as a stranger in a strange world, for it is a strange world to a holy child of God. For there is sin all about us, and there is uh, the uh, proud talkers, and there is untruth, and there is all manner of wicked living and idolatry and, and sinning against the name of God and countless other sins and the evils in this world. And therefore the child of God, he recognizes himself as a stranger in a strange land. And he is also then a pilgrim, for he is pressing on towards the celestial city. He is beholding these things afar off. And so we journey in this, strange, in this strange land and in this strange country. And beware if you feel like a permanent citizen in this world. If you feel no strangeness in this world. If you are comfortable with the unbelievers and how they carry themselves, then beware that something is amiss with your faith. Something is wrong. And that you would... To God that you would that you would eyes, your eyes would rightly open and that you would con, uh, be able to confess 
with them of old and with the believers of of present that you are a stranger and a pilgrim uh, on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Are we not pressing on for for the land and the home that is ahead? Isn't that our goal? Isn't that the longing of the heart? I remember talking with the elder brother, Carl. It was many years ago I was visiting with him. And he was up in age and he is very old now. And we miss the old brother. And he said, it is just a pleasant thought that I am nearing the end of my journey, not knowing that he probably had another 20 years yet on the pilgrimage way. And so it is uh, for the pilgrim as we leave our, our life's work behind us and our manhood begins to flee us and we know that it may be near when we are at the end of our journey and soon the lights of the celestial city will grow bright and we will, by God's grace, be led into the celestial city, into that which we press for. But now they desire, uh, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. Yes, many have returned. Many have returned to the Egypt of this world. And we remember how often the Israelites, as they led the, uh, were led out of Egypt, how they murmured against um, uh, Moses and Aaron. And they complained of the, the journey was so hard and there's little to eat and, and there's no water and there was uh, uh, heat bearing down on them. And they remembered the flesh pots of Egypt, how that they had plenty of food to eat. They had their kneading ba- troughs that they baked their bread in. And, and they had, uh, the Bible even tells us that in the Old Testament that they enjoyed mel- melons and leeks and onions and fish and other foods. And they remembered the, um, the days in Egypt. And they, they wanted many times to return because the way was so hard and arduous. And sometimes even in the Christian, because of this uh, tedious journey, sometimes we feel that, oh, it would be just easier to be in the world. It would just be easier. We wouldn't have to have all these concerns. We wouldn't have to be so watchful. We wouldn't have to be so careful. We wouldn't have to gather again and again. <clears throat> we wouldn't have to train our children. And sometimes we lust after the flesh parts of Egypt. But do you know the end of the unbeliever? Do you know the end of the wicked? For judgment is soon going to fall upon them also. <clears throat> and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Yes, we press for a better land, a better country, better than anything this world has to offer. There is no cons- uh, comparison between Egypt and heaven. And we are pressing on, and may we continue on this blessed journey. And our afflictions will soon be over. And we will be, even as Moses, we will be recompensed. We will be recompensed for the suffering that the devil has caused in deceiving God's children. And that the devil has caused all the days of our life. There will be a recompense made, dear child of God. And you will be so recompensed that you can say with with Paul, I reckon that the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And our light affliction for a moment 
worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Press on, dear children of God, and unto you that are not able to believe, that do not have faith, that do not have a right faith, flee to God, flee to the Lord Jesus Christ. What keeps you from believing? What hinders you from believing? Is it sin and unbelief that, that, that is uh, uh, in the way, that is hindering you, that you cannot freely be a child of God? And you are not free in this world also. You are in a most miserable place because if death should come upon you, you are not sure. You do not have that lively hope of everlasting life. Repent and believe the gospel this day. Turn to the grace of God. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. For He is able to cleanse you and wants to cleanse you of your sin and error and all that which, that which is a hindrance unto you. That you might also be lifted up with the white robe throng. That you may be His child here in time. And that you also may be graced with trials and afflictions for the faith. And one day, those trials and afflictions will be lifted from you also. And how short a time it will be. How many of our dear brothers and sisters have been laid to rest. We glanced around the congregation in Lake Norton, South Dakota. And there were older brothers uh, that were not there. Older sisters that were not there. That were there the last time we visited. And our heart longed for them. Wanted to speak to them. But they are past and gone. They have gained the reward. They are now being recompensed for all that they have suffered in, in this life for the name of Jesus Christ. What a blessed journey it is, the journey of faith. May God strengthen us in faith and may He draw us closer to Him now as the end of time is drawing near. May, we, may that be our chief concern, our soul salvation, the welfare of our spirit. May that daily be our concern and, and may it be our prayer. May we pray without ceasing. May we draw near to the Lord Jesus that we would come to know Him more and more. And in knowing Him, we can trust Him. And do you know when we know Jesus, we know the Father? That's what Jesus told Philip. He says, Philip, have you been with me so long and you do not know me, Philip? For Philip had said, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. It sufficeth us. And Jesus says, have you been with me so long and you don't know me, Philip? He that seeth me seeth the Father, Jesus said. May we draw near to the Savior of our soul. And the longing heart, Jesus will will satisfy. Jesus will draw near to the longing heart that wants to know of His grace and His mercy. Even as the robber on the cross, He also wanted to know that remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And so Jesus will bless every longing heart for He that thirsteth and hungereth after righteousness will be filled. And there is no love in this world that compares with the love of Jesus towards a sinner and the faithfulness. He never hurts his bride. He never offends his bride. He never looks and points at her sin and her weakness. He doesn't uh, bring it to the surface that she might be oppressed, but he covers all that she is, all her weaknesses, and he takes them as his own, as we have heard, and he gives unto her pure whiteness, pure holiness. What a gift of salvation. What a gift of, of, of blessing we have received that we can be saved, that we can have righteousness, that we can have our sins forgiven and that there's no accusation against a Christian and that we can be robed with a robe of pure white, a robe of white holiness 
by the grace of God through faith. Even that faith that the saints of old journeyed with. Yes, God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And He is blessing yet souls with living and true and saving faith whereby we are adherents and we can partake of eternal life by grace uh, through faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Our chairman announced at the beginning of the service that we would postpone communion, which was scheduled for today, because it didn't seem like uh, many were here, but many of you have come after that. So, As you can see, we have decided to continue with it as, as scheduled before, so we will go into the communion service and let us pray with and for them who now will partake of the Lord's Holy Supper. Lord Jesus Christ, our bread of life, Grant that thy holy communion may be a blessing to all those who today shall partake of it, that through the power of thy body and blood they may receive peace and comfort to their souls and be strengthened in faith, love, and a lively hope of eternal life. Amen. Truly it is meet, right, and blessed that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, this cup is a new testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This do as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let us all pray as our Lord Jesus Christ taught us, saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with thee. Amen. I just wanted to share something um, that kind of weighed on my heart while Tim was speaking. He, he mentioned that God does not like violence toward men. And um, I was in a different part of the country. I walked, I was um, with a friend. We went into a, a home of a a uh, young man's place, and and uh, maybe I've talked about this before, but it kind of weighs on. I prayed to ask God to try even talk about it. But they were watching these these shows. It's called extreme fighting. 
and I don't know, maybe none of the young men of this congregation do that, have seen it, have any interest in it, and praise God if you don't. But if you do, if that's been, if you've seen some of that, and you're attracted to that, pray God that He would, He would, um, give you strength to steer out of that. <clears throat> Just think about it. Jesus taught compassion. He was compassionate. You know, if I, if I look around and I meet people and we, I get to know them a little bit, I kind of, that's kind of one of the first things I do is I kind of judge them on their compassion toward people. Could you imagine to watch somebody get beat up extremely and then, and enjoy that? Um, so I just wanted to speak on that and I just, just know if you do, if you're involved with that, you see that, or you enjoy that, that is so ungodly. Um, so be very careful and repent and turn from that. Just, just wait on me to speak about that.
this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Strengthen and preserve your bodies and souls unto everlasting life. Thank the Lord Jesus for these blessed gifts which you have partaken of. And be strengthened in faith to show his death until he comes for you in the resurrection unto eternal life. Rise and depart in the Lord.